When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Numbers to get in can dial us up 466-3776-800-825-5865. We'll dive into, you know, the anatomy of an upset here. What can uh, happen Saturday in favor for Nebraska and quite honestly a little bit uh, more to tackle with how we got to here the the why of the struggles we'll check in with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity Babbers in about 15 minutes in hour two a full look at the Buckeyes with one of the best Tim May going to be with us uh, Tim uh, Mr. Buckeye Insider for well, several decades, so we'll chat with Tim. He's awesome and entertaining, and he gets around a golf in every week. God love him. Big Ten Buffet time, Rick Pizzo on the way at 525, and a jock doc on Derek Henry. Email the show. We've got plenty of emails that have been flying in to get to, but want to start off with some news on Scott Frost and his future. So, uh, yeah, the Omaha World Herald and, and our friend Tom Chattel, he had a chance to get caught up with NU President Ted Carter, Teddy Ballgame, Teddy the Ice Skater, Teddy the Naval Man. Teddy's impressive. Uh, Mr. Carter, super impressive. And the, the, the quick headline is from the World Herald, no decision has been made on Scott Frost's future. That the word today from Nebraska President Ted Carter. So let's dive a little bit further in to some of the discussion points or the Q&A with Tom Chattel and Ted Carter. So just to reiterate from Ted Carter, no decision has been made on Scott Frost's future. Carter added the direction of the program will be addressed in the coming weeks. And he said to Tom, I don't want to get too far ahead of our skis right now. I don't think it will be too, too far down the road that you're going to know which direction the program is going to go. But I can tell you this, no decision's been made. Asked if any decision on Frost would be up solely to Athletic Director Trev Alberts. Carter replied, we hired Trev as athletic director. He is a critical part of it. Ronnie, Ronnie Green, the chancellor, is in there. I'm in there. So you have three guys 
that are going to be weighing in on this decision will be part of this decision at the end of the day. Nothing gets done without some level of consensus. We'll get to the calls here in a minute. Carter added, I followed Scott for a long time, knew him when he was at UCF. I pull for him. I know Nebraskans love the guy. We just want to see Scott do well. That's the bottom line. They, Nebraska, play tough to the team they're playing. They just need to cut down on mistakes and to get into the win column. And I think uh, I think Tom ran into quarter as he was ice skating at Baxter earlier today. So we can get into that and pick apart what was said, what wasn't said, other than we're going to have a timeline. That's important. Coach Kaz went off about that yesterday about re- from a recruiting standpoint. You're going to have to make a call, right, on on what what you think of this football program in year four and the direction it's heading. Trev's just got here. So this is year one with Trev and Scott. Uh, Ronnie and, and Teddy have been here a while. And the way – what do you think, Elijah? I mean, I, I'm reading. I didn't hear. So I'm reading it. But they're not going to leave, first and foremost, the coach and, and his staff and the team and the kids twisting on direction. But getting some wins is, yeah, it's obvious. And quit making mistakes. That's been a problem. Let's go to the phones real quick. Once you're kind of read on this too in a minute, Elijah. Brian, thanks for hanging in. Go ahead. Hey, what's on? What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. What do you know? I've I, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't call him Monday. I'm sorry, I didn't call him Tuesday. Dude, you do. I was thing. grieving. Okay, you're, 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 I was going through five stages of grieving. Okay, <laughs> lots of f bombs and more alcohol. <laughs> I'm so done. Man, I, I can't I can't do it anymore. So like, you had a four day cool down period. F bomb Brian well, is what you're telling to, me. I had to, I had to go to Pennsylvania, so I've been running around Big Ten land, flying my Husker colors strong. And I I, I told myself I'm not going to the I'm, I'm not going to watch the game. I'm not going to Saturday. I'm done. I can't do it. I'm going to take my kid hunting. I'm going to actually do something that's not that's productive. And then my wife calls me and says, hey, I got free tickets to the Ohio State game. You want to go? So now I'm going to the game. Dude, you you went from father of the year taking junior hunting <laughs> to, to to now going to the game. And the, listen to this. We're into November. It's the college football playoff favorite for the Big Ten. And, yep. and you got free seats. Yep, I did. Did we just and, utter those words? Not that it's not believable, yeah. but yeah, you got free seats for Ohio State. My kid got free seats to Purdue last weekend. People are giving their pain away. <laughs> you go and sit down. I'm it, not it's, going. It's one of those things. I feel like a whip dog, where <laughs> I, I'm getting beat up over the TV, and then and then I'm like, oh, I'm not going. I'm not going to go back to you. You you beat me. And now it's, okay, well, you know, I still love you, but, you know, gosh darn you, stop losing by three points or more. Uh, Brian, swing by, uh, get a beer at the the single barrel before you go into Ohio State, all right? 
I'm going to have multiple Jack Daniels. <laughs> Fine. Whiskey's their specialty. Brother, you hang in. You have a good trip. And, uh, yes, sir. I know you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll gut it out, all right? Yeah, I'm on my way back now. I'll be home by tomorrow. Be good. Thanks for the call. See you later. F-bomb Brian. And he's a long-haul trucker. God love him, man. He's part of the supply chain that gets us goods and services, thanks to him, sincerely. But he feels like a whip dog. It's totally Godfather 3. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, Pacino. So back to Ted Carter. To me, it sounds like you better start freaking winning or else. I'm absolutely overreacting and reading into commentary. But again, Tom Chattel, World Herald, talking with President Ted Carter. And noticeably, Ted Carter didn't say, we haven't had that conversation yet. No, they're thinking about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they're thinking very seriously about it. There's a lot on the line this offseason for this Husker football team. Obviously, this season hasn't been up to snuff. And uh, you have talent on the roster. I think the talent on the roster is undeniable, uh, but they've been unable to pull it together this football season. You have to ask yourself, are we willing to foot a, a $20 million bill here to, to send Scott Packin in hopes that we can bring in a coach that can take this talent and turn it into wins next season, if not next season, the season after that? The question is, is Scott your guy? that can take the talent that is undeniably on this team right now and turn it into wins next season? Or do you think somebody else can come in and, and do that quick turnaround a la Bo Pelini in 2008? Where Bo Pelini came in and pretty quickly turned the, the, the talent that Bill Callahan had left, which could not be turned into wins, and he quickly turned that into wins in his first season. Is there a coach out there that can do that for this Nebraska roster? Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head with the question, is Scott the guy to get it eventually over the hump? And I hate, I'm sorry to keep using that term, but that's it. And the way I read into the comments, start winning, dude. Make it happen. Figure out a way. Look like you've been practicing. And look, mistakes are going to happen in football. Turnovers are going to happen. But th- th- they, they keep, it's self-inflicted. And that's the question. Can, can can this change under the current regime? Pete, welcome in. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. How you doing? Good. What do you know? I want to bring up a point and see if you agree with it. When the game's on the line, Adrian passes. His, his best attribute is his feet. Yep. And when the game's on the line, there's, there's times he could take off and run, and we know how dynamic of a runner he is. And I think he's kind of coached to kind of sit back there and wait, wait, wait uh, for an open receiver. And opposing teams ain't stupid. They play that cover two soft zone, and they're saying, you're not going to pass. Uh, you're not going to find somebody open because they know he's not going to run. So my question to you, do you know of any game this year that we've lost that Adrian has had a big run within uh, four minutes uh, of the end of the game? I'm looking back just quickly at the ball games, Pete, and Nebraska was trying to find a way against Michigan, and Adrian was running. That wasn't a big run. That wasn't a 20-yarder, okay, but it was you're down to the final five minutes or so, right? And right. And he gets smacked, and he, and he fumbles. Uh, right. The whistle could have, should have, would have blown. It's been a could have, would have, should have season. But, no, in the fourth quarter, 
he didn't he didn't break against Oklahoma. Uh, he was sitting back there, and it was a, a, a team meeting by the defense as he was sacked and harassed. Against Michigan State, he was set, He was back there on a third down to throw a slant route, third and one, third and two. Didn't run it. Wasn't a designed run. He, he hung in the pocket, threw a slant route. Toure didn't continue his route. It was intercepted. So, no, he has not gone to his legs. I don't know, Pete, how much of a willing runner he is anymore. As we talk here in, in game, what the hell game are we at? Nine? Ten. ten okay. So, okay, going into game ten. Right. He, this is not an excuse. I think his ankle's jacked. I think his head probably isn't great uh, from, a, from a mental standpoint, just the, the pressure. And then I think his, his jaws are probably still hurting from Michigan State. So he's a wounded warrior with with his his heart and his guts to go out there and try and and lead his team but he's not what he was against Michigan State. He's not what he was against Michigan. That's that's my that's my take. I don't think he wants to get out and put his head down and run for fear of further injury. So Smitty, I'm going to bring up a point. I'm telling you why. Game, I'm telling you to why. Win game, to win games you have to put 110% effort. You have to put your body on the line sometimes to win the game. And that's what a captain does. And if the captain ain't willing to do that, the rest of the team probably ain't going to be willing to, at least on offense. No, Pete, and I, I don't I blame don't, him. I don't disagree I don't blame with him. you. I look at the coaches. Well, the coaches are letting it happen. Well, I don't disagree with you either, Pete, and that's, I think, evidenced in the fact of Nebraska's performances against Minnesota and Purdue, especially offensively in the past couple weeks. It's, I think well, you're right. Whenever your leader doesn't want to go out there and go put his head down and fight for extra yardage and, and coach, be willing to take the hit. And Pete, Coach Frost talked about the fact that he got after Adrian getting out of bounds a yard before the first down mm-hmm. marker. Case in point. I think the defense is sick of seeing that. And, and can I bring up one last point? Sure, bud. If he would run some in those situations, they would have to come out of that cover two soft zone. They would have to protect the, against him running, and more wide receivers would be open. And until he does it, they're going to play that same dang defense towards the end of the games, and we're going to see the same scenario. And so if he cannot run, we're better off, I think, putting somebody in there that can run. And Logan Smother, his best attribute is his feet. Don't and when you can run that. the ball, you change a defense. And, and I think they have to be willing to make that change. Pete, appreciate you listening, man. Good stuff. Good points. Elijah, he hit on a bunch of things, and I just don't think – Either Adrian's being told to, to stay healthy, all right, because of, of his arm and what they want to do offensively, throwing the football, or he's just not real interested in running all the time like he was. And we've seen this in his career before where he's, he's your, your best chance if you want to win by throwing the football in this offense, okay? But he is so dynamic, and you saw it early in the season – where he makes things happen and extends a play on the run and makes a hell of a throw, makes a completion, just just daggers a defense, right? Because he's going Randall Cunningham. But but you've got it. You've got a different Adrian here, Minnesota now Purdue, at this point in the year. And if he ain't a willing runner, he's not going to win the football game with his arm. And teams are making him stay in the pocket to win it. Throwing the football. Yeah, we, we need a mic drop sound effect for Pete. He came in with three great points. 
three great points, and he was just on the money with all three of them uh, regarding the, the change in Nebraska's offense from weeks one through six uh, compared to weeks seven through ten. And it comes down to the healthier quarterback, and when you're not healthy, maybe you're a little apprehensive. And and, and I've we've seen Adrian have bad games before off of an injury. All right? And how's your confidence level? What's your trust level like, not only in yourself, but I don't know how much, you know, you, you, you see an insane talent in a guy like Betts, right? And let's just talk about Betts for two seconds before break. I mean, Betts, Betts got one catch for 30 yards, right? But he ain't looking for him quite a way, right away all the time. You'll get the ball to, to Omar in the red zone twice. Omar should have 10 touchdowns this year in the red zone on dig routes, or could, if he was in. We'll uh, continue this discussion. We'll get to your emails and uh, more of your calls with Hale Varsity. Mike Babcock's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Emails and calls coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, email to get to from Shane, from Julie, from Joe, from Kevin. Is uh, gearing up for uh, Nebraska, Ohio State. Tim May, 35 minutes away on the Buckeyes and what he thinks of the Big Red. And Rick Pizzo, we welcome in Mr. Husker Football. Mike Babcock with us uh, from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how's your midweek, bud? Ah, it's going good. Going well. Better than... Uh... The situation with the uh, Husker football, I guess, with the outside noise. Oh, you know what? I mean, it's it's almost like in back in the day when I was uh, a student at Nebraska, uh, the the old uh, broadcasting college, KRNU, was was at Avery Hall. Now it's in a sweet, sweet building. Avery had its charm too, but it was right yeah. next to the stadium, and TO'd have practice going. And they'd crank up crowd noise. And, you know, first part of August, it was hot, so we'd open the windows. Well, they'd crank the crowd noise up so loud that it'd, it'd make our CD players skip. So every time <laughs> I was trying to play a little trucking by the Grateful Dead for Mike Babcock, it just would start skipping along, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to have that crowd noise in there. <laughs> you do. I hope there's enough crowd noise Saturday. Uh, to make a difference on third and 12 when uh, the Buckeyes had the football. I mean, I think that's the thought bubble for a lot of Nebraska fans. I want to get your take, and, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you heard us talk about it, but uh, Ted Carter came out uh, and, and talked to Tom Chattel, uh briefly. Actually, he was outside Baxter Arena uh, when he was uh, playing hockey. So, yeah. hey, Tom, how are you? Ted, you got a minute. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Put the stick down. Um, no decisions been made on on Scott Frost's future. Have you, have you seen this? Have you seen the, the the story at all? No, I haven't. But I heard you guys talking right. about it. What What's your read on this? I mean, other than they're thinking about the future, what, what, well, what's your takeaway? You know, it's, it's now I, again. I had I just what you guys said, so mm-hmm. I I don't know the. I went word the, for word. I promise. But, you know, I. It, it seems to me that Ted Carter would would say pretty much what he said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think that you have to say that um, at this point because there's 
uh, still three games remaining to be played, and and you want to see what happens there. And there, are, you know, other factors. I've probably mentioned this before, but I think that um, boosters have to be taken into account, whether whether we accept it or not, mm-hmm. um, because they've got that big project uh, started over there. Um, what hundred and Fifty-five million or whatever it is, um, and you're looking at uh, paying Scott. If you were to release him, you're looking at paying him what twenty million, and then uh, uh, then you've got to pay a new coach, and you know. And I think it really is going to impact recruiting, mm-hmm. and the transfer portal changes everything. I think the dynamic of that. Um, who's to say what's going to happen with the, with the talent that they have coming back? Um, where is that going to go? How is that going to impact your recruiting? So I think that you have to say, you know, we're, we're looking into it, but we haven't made any decisions or anything. Um, because that's what you do. I mean, you're in charge, and you have to make those evaluations. But there are a lot of factors that are involved in this, uh, I believe. And, and uh, personally, I think Scott... Uh, needs another year, uh, five years, uh, to see what happens. You know, mentioned Bill Callahan. You guys mentioned him. He was here four years. Mm-hmm. His teams were at least 27 and 22 and went to bowl games twice. But that uh, 2004 season was a disaster. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, but I think that you have to say the things, the kind of things that Ted Carter said. Um, to know that he's involved and to know that, uh, you know, we, we know that Trev's involved, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you just have to acknowledge that. Well, up to this point, I mean, you've had support for Scott by Carter. He kind of reiterated following Scott in his career, and then they like him. They want him to do well. They want mistakes cleaned up. They also want wins. So you got to have some results. Great, you're playing close, but – you know, all right, take that, that next progressive step from from a month ago where your your two college football playoff teams, you played three in a row, could have won three in a row, mm-hmm. to uh, apply that to, you know, some of the some of the other folks in the Big Ten neighborhood that, that you out-recruit, right, uh, and, uh, on, on paper, but, but clearly haven't out-developed. So... Don't be losing to Purdue. Don't be losing to Minnesota. Don't be losing to Illinois. I mean, that's that's the that's the 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 conversation as well. And Nebraska just has not seemed to do simple well, Babbers, here the last four years. Whether yeah. whether it be just running the football or a play call or a trick play uh, or calling a trick play or just kind of getting out of their own way. And, and that's I think that's the maddening part, and that's part of this this uh, discussion process. Uh, when you look at Ted and and uh, Ronnie and and Trev, yeah, a fundamentally sound and commitment to a system. You know, offensively, what what is the commitment to that? And it, you know, it, it it's frustrating. There's no question about that. And that's the other factor that you have to take into account is um, all. And we saw it with the Purdue game. Uh, all of a sudden, the fans are not going to be coming. They're not going to be interested in it. There's a kind of fan apathy that you have to address as well because there is an economic impact there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really complicated situation, I think. And and one thing I would ask you, 
Um, I've thought about this. Um, I think I have an answer to it. But so is Nebraska an attractive? Let's let's say that Scott is removed from mm-hmm. the job. Yeah. Is Nebraska is the Nebraska job an attractive enough one to pull in a coach? That's going to get things turned around, do you think? Mike, I, uh, you and I have covered the program. You've covered it in, in, in the, the golden era. And, you I mean, you've been there from Devaney to, to now. So you've seen it. And you know the fact, the reality is you had two legends make it look easy. And it was anything but easy with Osborne and, and with, with uh, Coach Devaney. And now you're hitting reset. I mean, I was joking with Elijah, hey, it's November, which means it's November and it's been four years. It's time to talk about a coaching search. I mean, it's just been freaking clockwork, man. Yes. And that's that's part of this problem, too. The reset, and Coach Osborne's the first one to say this, you, you whack a coach, it moves your program back five years. Well, let's do that math, and you're 25 years removed from glory, <laughs> right? I think Nebraska is... Still got a brand. It's still got a name. It's still got money. It's got it's got resources. It'll have a new facility. I think Trev's really really talented. So you got a good leader there. So I think you can go get a coach, but I don't think the coach that you need is going to leave where he may be at first for Nebraska. Nebraska is just another program now with a great brand and a phenomenal history and a chance because you were, you've been good, you can get good again. Right. But I think, I think you're going to have to, to just nail it. You're going to have to find the next urban Meyer when urban Meyer was a wide receivers coach at Notre Dame, that Bowling green wandered upon and then Utah hired. And then we know what happened. Florida plucked him. So I think it could be done, but I think it is, Really, really difficult. Now, to Elijah's point earlier, are things actually going to get cleaned up under Frost? That's the other thing. Are you betting that, that it finally gets fixed because it's been four years of the same self-infliction? And wouldn't it have been fixed by now? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing that, that we would think, you know. that. Uh, I, think they, I think they can get, get a coach, Mike. I, I don't know that you're going to get a coach in this year with some of these other openings that would um, would win soon enough to not be having this same conversation in three or four years. The reason we're having a the re, it's it's now year four and you're well under 500 because of who Scott is. He's been given a little extra time, right? Yeah, yeah. I interrupted you. I'm sorry about that, but I no, just, no, no, that no, that's you. You covered it. I mean, that's that's my concern. Is is there someone out there that can get this thing turned around? That's going to be willing to come here if the decision is made to replace Scott. Um, and, and because I wonder where Nebraska football is. You know, the fans. I'm probably as guilty as anybody else. Because I saw it, but we talk about this tradition that Nebraska has, but that's 20 years. That's 20 years ago. Mike, the new better. tradition's firing a coach after four years. Yeah, it's just, you know, and Bo lasted. You know, Seven. he always won nine games and got to a bowl game, but there were some really embarrassing losses there, and we know that, you know, there were other issues about his personality, um, the way he handled things. But, yeah, Bill Callahan, four years, then Bo, then 
Mike Riley for three years, and I mean it. It's Nebraska is what we used to look at when, when we were in the Big Eight. We were look at it and say, "Well, that's Kansas." You know, every every three or four years, they got a new coach trying to get in, and you have to, you're right. You have to start over again. And now, I think in this day and age, I really think the recruiting thing is is going to be a significant issue when. If and when Nebraska does make a coaching change, recruiting is going to be a significant issue because of a lot of things that are available to student-athletes now that didn't used to be available to them, including the transfer portal and NIL and all the, mm-hmm. all the implications of that. It's, it's, you know, it's a complex situation for Ted Carter and Trev Alberts and you know the people that are going to make the decision, but um, I, I just—that's the overriding question for me: is where does Nebraska football stand in the whole scheme of things right now, um, and can it get back to where it? You know, it's never going to be back to where Osborne was in winning three national championships in his last four seasons, but can it get back to being competitive in the Big Ten? West Division and, you know, be nationally uh, uh, relevant to some degree. Mike, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm up against a break. Hang on the line. We're going to keep talking if that's okay. Okay, sure. That's fine. More with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. And, yeah, just uh, a lot to get into. Some real talk from a, uh, well, the Husker football insider. More with Mike Babcock. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with uh, Mr. Husker Football Insider, Mike Babcock, Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, we're, we're talking about uh, the, the decision here with Coach Frost and his future. And uh, Ted Carter's comments to the World Herald, and we've kind of expanded this conversation. And thanks for spending more time with us here. This second segment, we've expanded the conversation to all right. If if change is made, your your Trev, you're you're going to have to. And you know, it's hard for some Nebraska fans to accept this. Others totally get it, but you're going to have to really, really, really sell Nebraska. Babbers and the selling points of the fan base, the money, the facilities, the history. You've won before; you can win again. Here's support. Uh, the, uh, the 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 cons, so to speak. You've whacked two nine or ten win coaches, and you just hypothetically here got rid of your your homegrown boy. <laughs> which which I mean, that's the trifecta, man. That's 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 the trifecta. Your recruiting base is not. Uh, is is rich as your surrounding states, even in the Big Ten. Uh, I would say this, that you've had more homegrown talent go D1 in the last three years and more to come for 2022 and 2023 with the Metro and Central Nebraska and some Western Nebraska kids. So Nebraska Lee has not done as well in state. But Babbers, you're going to have to go find a Big Ten guy who's a developer, and uh, that is a teacher and a motivator. I think those guys are out there, and I I also think Scott can can be better at becoming a Big Ten guy. He can be a better developer. He can 
He can be a better teacher and motivator. I think he knows football. He's proven he can coach. And and he's had his moments. There's just not been as many of them in the win column. Yeah, and that, and that's that's where we're at in the win column. Just win, baby. That's you know, you, <laughs> yes. that's that's Al Davis. It, that's where Nebraska's at right now. You can talk about, you know, we're this close, you know, to getting over the hump. Um, we heard that after the Oklahoma game. I think it was Garrett Nelson was, you know, did the thing with his hand and said, mm-hmm. you know, we got to close this circle. Um, and they're still saying it, you know. Now we're hearing the same thing, and that's where. The frustration comes in for the fans because in their mind, that's it. Just win, baby. You know, I'm looking at the win-loss column. I'm not looking at the, you know, if we would have just done this kind of a thing uh, at this point. And they're frustrated by it. Mm. But, you know, where does this program fit? I know where the fans think it fits, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're looking at the tradition, but they don't look at, you know, it's difficult to acknowledge that that tradition has been a long time ago. And, uh, you know, can Nebraska get back there? And I agree with you, there are coaches out there that, that could do it. But do they want to come to Nebraska? And it's concerning that some in-state kids are going elsewhere. You know, it, that was one of the things that uh, Tom Osborne always did was kept the best players at home. Um and, you know, started from there. And, again, the dynamic is different now. Sure. Everybody knows who's awesome in the state of Nebraska because they can see huddle film. Yeah, yeah, you can you can see this stuff. And, you know, the roster size is not the same. And, you know, walk-ons, players that would walk on back then, you know, have, like you said, people see them and uh, they get scholarship offers and they go somewhere else. So it's just, it, you know, it's a different time and place. You can't expect it to be that way. But for some people, that's the lens that they look through, you know, the, what Nebraska once was. And can it get some semblance of back there? Um, that's, the, that's the question that I struggle with a lot um, because I don't know. Because, I'm, you know, I'm here, I see this, but I don't see it from the outside the way other people do. And I've heard, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, – on 14-8, I was listening to the Jim Rome show earlier in the week, and that question came up. Yeah, you, know, you had uh, Feldman on. Yes, and he, you know, he said, yeah, he thought Nebraska could get back there, but that was the question that was raised, and uh, I think it's a legitimate question, and I think it's an unfortunate thing because, again, the passion of Nebraska fans, and you know, we didn't see it at the end of the Purdue game. We saw apathy because people were after the after uh, Adrian's second interception in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, they started streaming out of there. Mike, I, I want to ask you about that apathy, but less so the apathy of the fans and more the players. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a big. Uh, part of the decision-making process to see if this team fights for Coach Frost because the team knows that Coach Frost's job is on the line in these last three games of the season. Uh, So when you look at the game Saturday, do you see this Husker team fighting for their coach, or or do you think, based on what we've seen in the past couple of weeks, that uh, they might be more prone to to roll over uh, with uh, the big dog Ohio State coming to town? No, I don't think these players will roll over. and That's not saying that Ohio State won't score a bunch of points because Ohio State's got some real talented uh, people. 
um, you know, a great running back, a couple of really good receivers, a uh, great quarterback, the whole, you know, whole bit. But, no, I don't think these players will roll over. And, I, you know, I use as an example JoJo Doman came to the post-game news conference after the Purdue game. He was very emotional, very emotional. He couldn't, he couldn't hold it back, I thought. Um, and he talked about, uh, you know, the, the passion of it. And I think he's reflective of this team. I don't think these guys will quit. Um, Cam Tedder Britt on Monday uh, talking about, uh, uh, you know, how close the defense is. Again, there you get this. You get this how close kind of a thing. But, you know, they believe in themselves, I think, and, and that's reflective of that. Mike, 30 seconds here, bud. Do you think you get a response game from Adrian? Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think so much has been put on him at this point. It's kind of getting into his head a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he'll he'll respond. And, uh, you know, gosh, they got to turn him loose like you guys were talking. Ten carries for six yards. He's got to he's got to turn loose himself. And I, yeah. I don't I don't know if if they're saying, dude, be careful. No, uh, get out. I mean, just go play. Go be Adrian. Yep, that's <laughs> I mean, go, exactly go right. Go be a dual threat. And just go kill it, man. Ten carries for six yards is not Adrian. No, no, not at all. No, they they have talent, and and I I think they've got a just a boatload of high character dudes and you and if you're a fan you're just sick for them because i mean they're the ones out there killing themselves to to try and win and i can only imagine you know and you, you jojo's post game will, will be etched in my brain forever just that kid's passion and how stand up he is same with cam taylor Britt and same with adrian but let's you know, I, I'm excited about Saturday just because I, I just got a, a, a weird feeling that it's going to be it's going to be interesting in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you know. I hope so. I think uh, down this. I think Nebraska will get one of the final two games. I don't know Ohio State. That that seems like a tough thing. But and going to Wisconsin <laughs> right is not on. easy, obviously in no. Iowa. But I think Nebraska will get one of those. Babbers, you're awesome. This was so much fun. Thanks for taking an extra segment with us. You bet. Thanks for having there he me, is. All right, there he is. Historian, author, Hall of Famer. You read uh, Babbers, Mr. Mike Babcock, with Hale Varsity Magazine, uh, HaleVarsity.com, uh, Mr. Husker Football Insider at MD Babs. We'll wind down Hour 1. Tim May, Rick Pizzo coming up with Hale Varsity. 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com just try me try me back to hail varsity radio you don't want to hear mike babcock always want to hear babbers check out his two segments espnlincoln.com on demand also on the uh, twitter handle at espn lincoln and we'll for sure uh, get some uh, soundcloud two-minute drill stuff from Mike posted up in about 10 minutes. Tim May from the uh, land of Ohio, O-H-I-O. Tim May is uh, Mr. Buckeye. He's incredible and uh, knows Ohio State. We'll talk to him about Nebraska and Ohio State. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet. So Joe sent this email this morning, and uh, good stuff from Joe. Asks a lot of great questions here. And it's titled, Is He Worth It? 
Chris, I hear you when you say the Frost job situation is a test of institutional patience. I agree with that, but the question that needs to be answered is whether Scott has earned that patience. Throw away all the wins and losses and ask if you are fundamentals. Do you like Frost's management style? Do you trust his decision-making? Is he flat change? Does he truly take blame for failures? If you can answer all those in favor, then I can see keeping him. But if you're pinning the decision to keep him on a hope that he can change his personality in his mid-40s, then we'll have this discussion again next November. Nails email from Joe. Joe, those are all money questions, man. He's got to change his management style. You got to figure out a running back rotation. You got to figure out a quarterback rotation if your if your star and uh, and recruit isn't getting it done, hurt or not, hundred percent or not. Are they fundamental? Not when you're jumping off sides all the time. And you know what? Part of that though is. Part of that is a a situation where they've been coached to know the snap count. I have no doubt in my mind. I know that's not happened for a while, but you know what I'm saying with with Oklahoma. And with Purdue, it's, it's just you had a great first half. You had a ton of yards. You had 17 points. They got to execute, man. And that isn't coaching. I mean, I'm sure they're running seven-on-sevens till they're blue in the face. We know how physical they've become in the Big Ten. But can the guy change and be a better manager? Here's what I think. I think Trev Alberts is the perfect mentor to help a coach mature from a, from a, manage, from a management standpoint. I think Trev can absolutely get that done. And we'll get it done. It just kind of comes down to what what progress are you showing? Because, it, I mean, there's been a lot of whiteout spilled from building up against some monster teams to not taking down the, uh, the well, the teams are supposed to stomp. And previous coaches here didn't even sweat Iowa. Because they were unbe- they were three and one against them, or able to go get a road win in Minnesota. Riley pulled that off. So it's a giant discussion. More emails next hour. Tim May coming up to talk Ohio State Nebraska hour two with Hale Varsity. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to talk Buckeyes and a longtime Ohio State insider with uh, LettermanRow.com. We say hi to Tim May. And you can find Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports. Tim, headed back to Lincoln this weekend, man. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well, man. How you guys doing? We're good. You get any golf in or is the weather as crummy up your direction as it is here? 
Well, I'm semi-retired, which means I don't have to work as hard as I used to, even though I still end up working a lot during the weeks. But uh, with my podcast and stories I do for LettermanRoad.com and covering the games and stuff. But uh, I have uh, gotten in at least one round of golf every week, I think, since February. So You are. That's an at least one round. Let me put it that way. And I'll be playing again tomorrow, my man. Uh, let's dive in here. And I want to start off with, with Coach Day's presser the other day. And, you know, a lot of a lot of chatting was going on about the playoff. Where's Ohio State going to be? That was the focus. And, and Coach Day kind of pumped the brakes on that and says, oh, you know, by the way, Nebraska's really good. I'm just paraphrasing. What do you make of this squad from afar? Well, not just from afar. I said at the very beginning of the season, because I was asked, you know, my, you know, being around this for many decades now, I was asked, you know, what are the what are the games or games are you, would do you think Ohio State should be concerned with? I go, well, some of them are obvious, but uh, the two games you've got your eye on, I had my eye on even then were at Nebraska and at Michigan. Uh, two coaches who were clearly on the, on the hot seat going into the year, you know, I don't know how hot Jim Harbaugh's seat is at the moment. Clearly, there has been a there has been some heat put on him since uh, the the loss at Michigan State the other day. But uh, you know, two teams I think are that are decently talented, and, and two coaches who are desperate for a victory, a meaningful victory. And with that said, you know, two programs that are desperate for a meaningful meaningful victory. And I definitely put Nebraska in that realm. And then you look at Nebraska. You know, and I don't know if self-inflicted wounds are the same thing as being snake bit. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh, when you consider their losses all by what eight points or fewer, but then you consider their losses to Michigan, their loss to Oklahoma, the way they played Oklahoma, I thought Oklahoma would just blow them out, and it was the opposite of that. Uh, there's definitely some spunk there. There's def- definitely some talent there, and that's what uh, Rand Day is looking at. Uh, this is. This is a team that, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to get it done uh, this year on a consistent basis, but has been in every game it's played. So, you know, how do you deal with with that kind of animal, so to speak? You know, that's backed into a corner now, and uh, you know whether it's too late, you know, for that animal to escape the corner. You know, that's that's for folks like you out in Nebraska to be uh, ascertaining, but. Uh, that's what he's talking about. He thinks it's a, when you look at him on video, this is a pretty good team that doesn't have the results to show for it. Tim Mays with us, Sale Varsity Radio. I think you nailed it. Have you seen in your time covering the Big Ten, is there a team that this Nebraska team reminds you of that scares the heck out of about everybody but plays better against some of the, the elite teams? It's funny. Uh, it. <clears throat> You know, I wasn't expecting this question, but it, but it reminds me of a little bit of Indiana back in the day when Bill Mallory was a head coach. They played so hard and so tough, and if they got to the fourth quarter, they had a shot against you. And that was when Ohio State kind of fell off the beam for a little while in the late 80s, but then okay. came back. Uh, but it was also a team that couldn't quite get it done Usually, you know, against Ohio State and Michigan and whomever, you know, whomever else was the was the kingpin of that era. They did get it done, you know, a couple times, obviously, uh, in recently, but not against Ohio State, for example. You know, they came close last year, and now you're seeing what's happened to them this year. They've fallen back to last place in the Big Ten East. But uh, yeah, I mean, but this this Nebraska team's a little unique in the sense that it's got a 
what, a fourth-year starting quarterback? Do I have that right? It's yeah. just like Adrian Martinez has been there for about 12 years. But he's got a head coach that was a, a darling of the of, of the fans when he was hired four years ago. And they're sort of wed together in this thing, you know, Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. And this is pretty, in my opinion, a pretty unique circumstance unto itself because uh, for whatever reason, it has not worked. And worked means, you know, worked is the first – First letter in in, in win. Mm-hmm. It has not worked, and uh, uh, so that that's what I'm looking at. I mean, so I'm kind of stammering a little bit, but just because you know, you, 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 I just think back to four years ago and how fired up people were to finally get a Nebraska man in there. You know, kind of like how Michigan was fired up to get a Michigan man uh, back at the back at the helm, and just for whatever reason, it hasn't. Well, in Michigan's case, it's worked a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it hasn't worked enough to get. Get Michigan a uh, Big Ten championship or even play for one, and so yeah, this is perplexing a little bit. Tim, let's talk uh, about the Buckeyes and let's uh, focus in on Stroud. You've seen a lot of really high-level quarterbacks at Ohio State. Where does he stack up? What makes him so dynamite this early in his career? Yeah, they've all been different. Number one, you know, just like when people ask me about Chris Olave and the receivers and ranking them, I mean, they're all. All those big-time receivers are all a little bit different. And uh, at the moment, you know, C.J. Stroud has played uh, – I think he's played as well as any redshirt freshman quarterback uh, that they've had. And that, that, that takes into consideration uh, Justin Fields. I think he's playing uh, a little bit to the level Justin did uh, three years ago when he was a first-year starter You know, after he transferred from Georgia. But, uh, you know, maybe not quite on that level because what, what's the difference between him and Justin Fields is the running, not only the running ability of Justin Fields, but the running, uh, the running desire of Justin Fields. I mean, he, he, he would pull, it down and, pull the ball down and run quite a bit, especially like against Penn State back in 2019. He was really, that was really the difference in that game uh, when they beat him in Ohio Stadium the last time Penn State showed up. But, uh, you know, he's different in his own ways. He's more of a – he leans more to Dwayne Haskins Jr. than he does to Justin Fields or, you know, one of those kind of quarterbacks. I think Justin Fields, if he'd stuck around for another year, he'd be he'd be putting up records with this group around him, this ridiculously deep offensive group around him. He'd be putting up records that I think would last for a long time. But C.J. Stroud clearly has come on big time, especially after he took one game off. They gave him one game off to rest that shoulder, and as he said, he – he had a supernatural healing of it, whatever that means, and uh, and now he's playing very well. Yeah, he's playing extremely well, actually, for a first-year starting quarterback and seems to be getting better. Tim May is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Tim, I think a lot of Nebraska, Nebraska fans got their impression of Ohio State early in the season, that Thursday night showcase against Minnesota and then the big noon kickoff against Oregon. Uh, but then Ohio State's played some admittedly inferior competition before we got another look at them uh, against Penn State last week. And they look like a much improved squad, uh, C.J. Stroud included. Can you tell me a little bit about this, the improvement of this Ohio State squad from uh, a team that lost that heartbreaker to Oregon to now a team that had a pretty convincing win last week against Penn State? Big difference is number one. Uh, as the analogy I've used is, uh, Ryan Day went in the day after the loss to Oregon, put the hood up on the uh, defense, changed the mechanic, the lead mechanic on the defense, and things have gotten progressively better since then. You know they can still play better defensively, but they've become 
much more confident. Uh, Change the scheme up a little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit, basically with two high safety look uh, a lot more than ever before. So using that one high safety, which I know Nebraska fans are uh, accustomed to seeing out there when Nebraska plays, but they went to two high safety look. It's kind of freed up some guys to kind of run to the ball, be a little more aggressive. But there were so many new starters defensively, you know, the experience they've gotten over the last several games has meant as much as any change they made scheme-wise because now you're seeing guys teeing off and playing with a lot of, a lot more confidence. You'll still, be, you'll still give up a player for in a game because the other, as uh, John Cooper, former high state coach, used to say, the other team practices too, you know. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is uh, they've gotten much more competent, much more confident, and uh, that's, that's what stood out about it. And offensively, as we talked about about C.J. Stroud, after taking that game off against Akron, he's gotten better and better and better the last several weeks, even against Penn State last week. You know, uh, he threw for over 300 yards and was a difference maker at the right time. So uh, that's been the difference. You've seen a young team, both at quarterback and then on defense, grow up a little bit more. Tim Mays with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Tim, a couple of last thoughts here. The receiving core with Wilson and Olave are special when it comes to the hey, wait a minute let me interrupt you do not leave out jackson smith and jigba number 11 and, and you got jackson with 35 catches that's tied with Alave. but as far as a specialty right they're all special but from a specialty standpoint is there a role i guess for each of these guys or do they all do about everything perfectly you know this is gonna sound like a stupid statement but uh I think Chris Olave could get open in a mud puddle. You okay. know? No, it's I mean, <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, Eric Wilson is just a jumping jack. I mean, uh, by jumping jack, I don't mean he just jumps well. He's he's very fast. He's quick. He You throw the ball within four feet of him, five feet of him, he's probably going to catch it. He's going to figure out a way to get his hands on it. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is so smooth. He's fearless over the middle. Uh, and he's always – as soon as he catches the ball, he's always looking to make a move. He's very good after the catch. Uh, matter of fact, all three of them are very good after the catch. Chris Olave, that's a part of his game he's added or enhanced this year. But, uh, you know, it goes along with the scheme that uh, Brian Day and Kevin Wilson and that group, uh, on the offensive coaching side, they find ways to get these guys open. And when you've got three options on a play, it's it's pretty good, you know. But uh, uh, but that. It's all it's it's all come together, and then you got you know Trevion Henderson catching the ball out of the backfield, maybe Mike Williams doing that, and then argue, arguably the best tight end in the league in Jeremy Ruckert in the Big Ten, and Jeremy Ruckert one of the best in the country. You know he and uh, Cage Stover have really have really come on at the defensive end spots, and you know they've got three defense excuse me defensive end tight end spots, and then uh, they've got three tight ends they use a lot, and uh, so. Uh, that that's that's what it's been. It's just they've added um, those guys. Their talents are better than they were a year ago. And then you add in all this other stuff, and it, you know, the the the, run, the threat of the run. If they could get C.J. Stroud to run four or five times in a game, they would really have it going on, I do believe. But but that's what sets them apart is their ability to get open. Tim, what type of game is this? Uh, if Nebraska is to keep it close, they'll need some turnovers. They'll need some pressure. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, it, I think back to 18 and how back and forth and entertaining that was. And then most of the matchups have been uh, severe beatings uh, by Ohio State to hand it out to Nebraska. 
some uh, some tension, some do or die type mentality for for Nebraska to to try and take down a big dog. Is this thing a score fast? Is it something where Ohio State doesn't blink because they don't blink too often on the road or at home? How do you see this thing shaking out? I, you know, here's here's a stat that uh, we didn't even discuss is that Ohio State's defense has scored a touchdown in six of its of its eight games this year, <laughs> including last week. The real maybe the play of the game was Jerron Cage, yeah. big defensive tackle, uh, scoop and score after uh, a fumble caused by Tyreek Smith, who's just come back online at defensive end for Ohio State, and uh, Zach Harrison, a meeting at Sean Clifford and the ball coming out, but uh, you know. Wow, you know, you at this point in the season, you kind of are who you are, you know, and uh, and at this point in the career, Adrian Martinez, I mean, this is this may be his last shot to really prove himself against a big time opponent. I know they've got you know Iowa down the line and stuff, but I mean, this is this is the kind of game that Adrian Martinez, for example, was recruited to make a difference in, you know, way back when. And he's, you know, we let's clear. I mean, I even watched the, the you know the the game from last week. He had some he had some tough moments. Let's just leave it at that, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of been the case uh, a lot throughout his career in the bigger games, and uh, and definitely this year in some games. So I expect this Ohio State defense to get after him and them. And then I think Ohio State's offense. You know, you can look at last week and say they only scored 33 points, but uh, they were a lot closer to scoring 50 than than. Uh, Penn State was to scoring more than 24, if you follow my drift, because they settled, had to settle for four field goals. And uh, I, I think this offense is very tough to stop on a consistent basis just because it can – if you take this away, they've got this go, they've got this other thing going for them, et cetera. So uh, I'm just humming. Because, you know, you never know, how, you never know how turnovers, if they're going to happen and how they're going to affect the game. But I would think Ohio State being a – I don't even know what the, the spread was as we talk right now. But, 14 and a half. Uh, yeah, I think fourteen and a half is pretty close, you know, for yeah. for this game. Uh, and uh, so I would say somewhere in the fourteen to twenty point range going in would be the, what I'd be looking at. Yeah, and turnovers will be the key, and and that's what kept Nebraska in it back in eighteen. And uh, yep. that's been the problem for Adrian. You, know, you might be interested. Go ahead. Uh, your listeners might be interested to listen to my podcast this week because I had uh, Joshua Perry on from the Big Ten Network, okay. former Ohio State linebacker. But we we talked specifically uh, about Nebraska and why it just hadn't gotten done, you know. And uh, and it, it's pretty interesting his comments there. But but how you know it just you just the trophies are in you know the trophies are in the are in the hallway you know they haven't gotten any new trophies in a long time and stuff and what are the reasons for that we kind of got into it you know it's tough tough to recruit there now on a consistent basis i do believe and then you've had so many coaches go through there over the last several last uh, couple of decades you know it's the continuity just hadn't been there like it was in the 90s and uh you know and there are all kinds of reasons for that but it's it's a pretty interesting take on it well we'll check that out for sure tim and we can't wait to see you saturday in the press box but you got it, man. I always enjoyed being on with you, my man. Tim, you take care. Thanks so much. All righty. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. 
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Big Ten Buffet time. We say hi to Rick Pizzo as he joins us. Rick, it's uh, it's been a week, been a busy week for you, I know. And here comes Ohio State to Lincoln. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing probably a little bit better, a lot less stress than Mr. Eric Shenander right now. Watching the Ohio State offense and exactly what that team can do and trying to figure out any way, if a way even exists, to stop that football team offensively. Well, if they're not on the field, Rick, right? Yeah, I guess that's the best answer, right? It is. So I want to go big picture here with with the the Big Ten. And Rick, is there a is there a bad team in this league? And and I'm not trying to like, you know, box you in or oh, so and so is terrible. I'm just saying it, more so than than in Nebraska's time here, I feel like this Big Ten in 2021 is so loaded about any team can beat about anybody else. I know there's some exceptions, but it just it just feels like a deeper pool this year. Yeah, it's really scary. I mean, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about Penn State being a college football playoff contender. Illinois beats them. Yeah, we're talking about Iowa being a college football playoff contender. Purdue beats them each and every week. We gave up on Minnesota after the Bowling Green loss. They could win the West. We gave up on Wisconsin after three early season losses. They bounced back. They can win the West. And I think we saw right from the college football playoff committee, the amount of respect that the nation has for the big 10, not just Michigan state at three and Ohio state at five, Michigan at seven, despite the loss. But the three West Division teams who have seven combined losses are at 20, 21, and 22. That speaks volumes about what people who know football think about the Big Ten. Rick, let's talk Scott Frost in Nebraska. And, and nationally, there's been the hot seat talk to start the year. That intensified after Illinois, and then people kind of backed off. Oh, wow, they almost beat Oklahoma. And it's been quite a month since the Michigan game. You're coming up on now another month in life in the Big Ten. And here comes Ohio State with, with Scott Frost's future and tenure. And, you know, you look at Trev Albert's comments just, just a week ago about what he thinks of, of the progress. And you've seen it against the ranked teams, but you've not seen it against some of your other peers in the West where – you're not beating the Purdue's, the Minnesotas, or the the Illini uh, on a regular basis. You know, I I think Trev's wanting this to work in, in such a uh, a high level way that I think he'll be patient, and and you got to be. But what's your gauge on these final three? What what do you need to see from Nebraska? Well, see, here's the problem, Chris, is you can afford losses to Michigan, especially if you play well. You can afford a loss to Ohio State, especially if you show up this weekend and put up a good fight. When you are building a program, and let's not make any excuses for Scott Frost, but the truth is when he took over, and I know you never want to hear this in Lincoln, he was rebuilding a program. I, I know it's historically successful, but I don't think there's any doubt that when he took over, there was a rebuilding job in a lot of senses to be done. And when you are rebuilding, as much as you want to focus on taking down Goliath, what you have to do is make sure you knock off the Davids when they come to your building. And that, to me, has been a bigger issue. It's not getting blown out a couple of years ago, early in the year against Ohio State when the whole nation was watching. That's not it. 
It's losing games to Illinois at the beginning of the year. It's losing this game to Purdue. It's not finding a way to win single-possession games against teams that you are favored over, especially at home. So if I'm Trev Alberts, what I look at is, am I seeing enough progress in those games to make me believe that moving forward, those games that we quote-unquote should win or we are even talent-wise – we need to be able to be better in those games. And then the ones against the teams that are the big-time favorites against us, they'll take care of themselves. I think that's what Trev is focusing on. Can we win those equal, those measurable games first, and can we win them on a consistent basis? We, we can get into chicken or egg. Is it, yeah. is, is it, the, <laughs> is it the, the play calling, the scheme, or is it the execution, right? I mean, when we talk about those those David type games, yeah. because it's it's a play inside the five in Minneapolis that doesn't flip the game. It's a a, a play that's not caught to maybe go up by ten, uh, or or maybe another field goal at the end of the half between Toure and 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 Adrian. I'm I'm anxious to see Scott with another option at quarterback and how that can roll. And I love Adrian. I think the kid's a warrior. Uh, it's just been too inconsistent, and, and, and he's not gotten better or he's not been more consistent for a fourth-year guy. So if I'm Trev, I'm weighing that too. What, what does Scott's offense, A, does he tweak it to be more Big Ten livable, and B, if, if there's other quarterbacks for next year to, to continue to develop, what's he do with a guy that doesn't turn it over uh, – case in point like like he did against the Purdue because that's that's how you lost the game it is but I will say no matter who is in a quarterback if you are going to play that style of offense against the kind of defenses that you are going to be facing week by week you have to expect more turnovers there than you do from other offenses you're just going to give the ball away sure. more than if you're in Iowa or you're in Wisconsin you're running the ball between the tackles way more often that works much better. It is a much easier system to dominate if you have a really good quarterback and you're playing against defenses from the MAC or the AAC and nothing against those leagues, but their defenses are not made up of guys like Leo Chennault from Wisconsin. <laughs> They're not made up of guys like Daxton Hill and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Those guys don't exist at those other schools, and those guys are playmakers who put pressure on quarterbacks the secondaries in the Big Ten are really good. They can cover and read at the same time. So to think that Scott was going to be able to take an offense and just because of one player be able to translate that offense from a UCF opposition schedule to a Nebraska opposition schedule without a ton of bumps in the road is unrealistic. And unfortunately, because I love Adrian Martinez as both a player and a person, that's the kid that's taken the most bumps and bruises and criticism. You know what you're getting into when you're a quarterback, but you bring up a great point. Adrian is gone. So who's next? And can this offense, if it stays the same, be on an upward trajectory with the next guy? Or does it have to be retooled? Rick Pizzo is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Rick, let's look at this game on Saturday. We know Ohio State's offense is going to put up points. That's what they do. Uh, that's what Ryan Day's offenses have always done. Uh, so what does Nebraska have to do on Saturday to be able to keep pace with Ohio State and maybe edge out a win? We've got to force a couple of turnovers when you're on defense, you have to give your offense a short field and give your defense a couple of breaks. Now, Ohio State has been much better with the football than they were earlier in the year. Defensively, uh, they've been better without question since they switched the play calling earlier in the year, the play calling responsibilities 
from Kerry Combs to Matt Barnes. But we saw last week, if your quarterback is efficient and you have wide receivers who can get open and who have some speed, and Nebraska clearly has that with Torre, then you can beat the secondary. Sean Clifford and Penn State, Jahan Dotson did a really nice job. Now, I think the Dotson's an absolutely elite wide receiver. I'm not sure that Nebraska has a guy on that level. But if you try to get into a shootout with this team, you're going to lose. Uh, there's just no way to do that. And at the same time, you do not want to be able to go so slow that it takes you out of your rhythm of what you really do from a natural standpoint offensively. That's why I think this is a really hard matchup for Nebraska, maybe even harder than other teams inside the Big Ten, because Nebraska wants to run at that pace. But if you make a mistake against Ohio State, and we've seen this exact scenario before, right? You make one mistake on defense and you don't do what you're supposed to do offensively in the first couple of possessions, you're down 21 nothing, and it's five and a half minutes of the game. So that is the worst nightmare for Nebraska. And if I'm Scott Frost, if I'm Eric Shenander, I am preparing a first-quarter game plan, both offensively and defensively, that makes sure that I am still in this football game when 15 minutes is in the books. You know what? You're going to have to kind of stack it, right, Rick, and, and have a game plan put together like you touched on so you're still alive by the second quarter, by halftime, yes. get stay alive till the fourth quarter, and then roll the dice per se. And I, I think back to to eighteen, where man, that was right there for Nebraska, and Ohio State was was wobbly off of the the the, the Purdue uh, blowout. Uh, you know that was Urban's final year, different coach, different players. But Nebraska was really aggressive. They got turnovers. You had Gifford force a turnover. You had, you had uh, a young <laughs> Jojo Doman flying off the edge. Is this a game where if you're Coach Janander, maybe maybe you, you send Jojo on more pressures versus all the other amazing things he does, and that's tackle against the run and cover in space. How do you, how do you mix it up here to get pressure? Because that's been an issue for Nebraska. It was an issue where they didn't get home against Purdue. They didn't get home against Minnesota. Yeah, I think it depends on how comfortable you are and how healthy you are in the back end. Because I remember, I think it may have been last year or prior, the year before, Nebraska played a game against Purdue in West Lafayette. And Eric Schneander decided to be really aggressive with his front seven and let his back four guys just kind of go in single coverage against a really good Purdue receiving core. That was one of Nebraska's best defensive games that I've ever seen them play because I was there to watch that one in person. I like that philosophy. To me, in this game, you really have nothing to lose. Now, no coach wants to get blown out. You don't want to put every single one of your guys on an island when you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba lined up against you because this is the best receiving core that we've seen in the Big Ten in an awfully long time. But to me, yes, you'd be a little bit more aggressive because if you can force a first-quarter turnover, if you can flip the field early in this game – then there are questions starting to be asked within the heads of Ohio State players that probably aren't being asked right now. You have to remember, they came off a really tough, really physical, really close game against Penn State. It was a night game on Saturday night, so there's a little bit less rest. To me, Chris, I think you are exactly right. Be a little bit more aggressive early to a certain point defensively, but if you're going to do that, you probably have to be a little bit more conservative offensively then you want to be early in the game to make sure, again, that you're not out of this thing after 15. Rick Pizos with us, Big Ten Buffet, Hail Varsity Radio. Rick, uh, a quick last thought. Uh, let's talk about the, the weekend schedule. Is Sparty on upset alert at Purdue? 
You know, I would say yes, except for the fact that we saw Purdue already do this to Iowa. Mel Tucker, man, he is as even-keeled as they come. I think Sparty has its eyes on the prize, and I think at this point, whether you're a Big Ten fan or a college football fan in general, you just want Ohio State and Michigan State to both be unbeaten in the Big Ten when they face off on November 20th. Rick, we'll let you get out. Excited to watch your coverage of uh, wrestling and hoops and football on BTN this uh, this winter, bud. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Chris. Take care, bud. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Doug Tavis with us. Dr. Doug, how are you? Doing good, Chris. How you been doing? Doing all right. Hanging in and and uh, been watching a lot of football, Dr. Doug, college and NFL. And I keep kind of just shaking my head at how good them Titans are. And we'll see how good they are without Derrick Henry. That's our topic today. And what a great back. What, a, what an incredible back with that offense. Yeah. But he's going to have to deal with recovery and uh, the Jones fracture, Dr. Doug. Can you explain the Jones fracture to us? Sure. It, uh, the Jones fracture is one of those things that, you know, among sports, everybody you know, that, that it's deep into it knows Jones fracture is a bad thing. And, and uh, what it is is on the uh, metatarsal bone on the outer aspect of the foot, so the fifth one, uh, the bone that is, you know, the, in the forefoot area, uh, that bone has a particular part of it that doesn't have really good blood flow to it. And it is uh, an area where uh, you can get a stress fracture uh, through that spot. So, you know, people don't think about bones as being uh, sort of pliable, but they are. And so with a guy like Henry, as big as he is and as hard as he pushes off on his feet, the, that bone is bending, 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 and finally it breaks kind of like a piece of bailing wire. Mm. But in areas where there's good blood flow, the body's able to heal it up in between the, the activity. And in this particular location, the body just can't heal it up fast enough and a stress fracture happens. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. Derek Henry and the Jones fracture are topic. So when you do a surgical intervention, Dr. Doug, you're going in there, you're doing what to, to help heal? Yeah, so, you know, you think about fracture care, and most of the time, you know, people are familiar with casts, and you know, you're, you're putting on something external to immobilize that fracture. Well, when we do a surgery for a fracture, what we're doing is, essentially putting an internal cast on we're we're putting something there on the bone to immobilize it from the inside in, in this case the way we do it is to put a screw right down the center of that bone and uh, that screw then holds things stable for a long enough period of time then uh, to where the bone can heal up and uh, it's a little bit tricky on a jones fracture because that bone is not a perfectly straight bone and you're trying to put a you're trying to put a rigid straight screw in the middle of a bone that's got a little bit of angulation angulation to it so it's a little bit tricky but it works really well when it comes to recovery from the jones fracture i know rest and rehab and then 
hopefully back in action. But what's what's the timetable for Henry here, uh, assuming everything goes perfectly? And, and that's a question mark because, as you've touched on, the, the blood supply in the region of the foot, that part of the body just doesn't heal well because of the blood the blood flow. Yeah, so, you know, it's they, if you've been reading about this, they've been saying he's out for the season. Um, and, you know, that, that may in fact be the case. But there are situations, you know, for those fantasy managers that are uh, really struggling right now with the loss of Derrick Henry, there are situations where these bones uh, will heal faster than expected. Um, I can remember one of my collegiate athletes that was a football player that right at five weeks, that thing was solid as it could be on, on x-ray. And he went on and played the rest of the season in football. Um, and I, I think that's a possibility for Henry. He may be able to come back, especially if the Titans are in that playoff race. Well, and I'm wondering here, I look at Henry's mileage, right? He, he had a, a lot of miles on him in Alabama, uh, second or third round pick. Clearly an incredible back, but you know how, how, how tiny the window is for, for NFL running backs. I mean, you have about a three-year window on average, and then you, you look at the Eric Dickersons of the world, or Barry Sanders is kind of the exception, but mainly you have like a, a four- to, to five-year great, spurt and then you tail off or trail off unless you're adrian peterson because <laughs> you're superhuman yeah. Yeah, now you're 36 and you're coming back yeah, and you're going to be taking carries from henry right so yeah. but I'm, I'm wondering here is this just an accumulation thing potentially for for a guy like derrick henry and we know that the, the touches and carries he's He's getting, you know, between 22 and, and, and 30. And in some instances, they'll, they'll run him 40 times. Not often. They're, they're careful with him during the week uh, with practice. At least they have been the last couple of years. But I just looked at this, the start of his career from Bama to now. Is, is that maybe part of this reason for injury? Just the sheer number of, of touches and how much force he puts on when he's cutting and running. You know how, how just talented he is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, the reality of it is that we will sometimes see stress fractures uh, in that, that Jones uh, position. So these Jones fractures and people who are just um, on their feet all day and maybe a little bit heavier body mass this regular day-to-day stuff, uh, but with carrying that heavier body mass. And, and you know, Derek Henry is kind of a, unique individual i mean he's a big man and cuts like you know a, a barry sanders kind of mm-hmm. a guy you know and and then you add on top of the fact that he's so darn durable and getting so many touches as you said um it, yeah it all comes together in an accumulation that that uh, um, uh, it, it is predictable like you said you've got you've got a three to five year window with most of these guys when they're in that great, you know, time of their careers. Dr. Doug uh, Davis with us on Hale Varsity, a junk doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Could this injury, say this heals, but it could it lead to lingering injuries elsewhere in the leg? I don't think so, Chris. The biggest thing sometimes is that there will be people that will have some irritation right where that screw goes in. 
And over the course of my career, we've gone through, oh, I don't know, four or five different types of screws, you know, that were supposed to be the best option mm -hmm. for this. And uh, uh, it depends a little bit on what kind of a screw gets put in, if it has a head on it. But there can be some local irritation is basically what I'm saying, sure. you know, from that screw. But, boy, you really don't like to take those darn things out because then you leave that bone unprotected again. I usually tell my you know, collegiate players I don't want to take that thing out until they're done with their competitive career because I, I, I don't want them to have a recurrent stress fracture in that bone. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Derek Henry, our topic, a Jones fracture for the Starback for Tennessee and the, the, the Bama alum. And we'll see where he goes with his career, with his season. And uh, we want to see Henry carry in the football again for sure. Dr. Doug, thanks for making time today. Awesome to get caught up again. Good to talk to you too, Chris. You take care. Good stuff from Dr. Doug Tavis, Derek Henry on the shelf. Hopefully he'll recover. More emails and a uh, angry monkey uh, down in the heart of Texas to tell you about. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Lots more emails to get to. More of your calls tomorrow. Loaded up, Jeremiah Searles will preview Nebraska-Ohio State for us. Gary Barnett back on the show. The pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. Danny Burke, see what he's feeling from Vegas about Nebraska-Ohio State. And then uh, Mr. Brandon Vogel, reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We told you about a alleged vicious monkey down in uh, the heart of Texas. So, Elijah, lay this out. I didn't know you could have monkeys as emotional support animals. This is the uh, the, the mother of all special teams girlfriends coach stories here. Yeah, uh, it, it's what's being dubbed as uh, monkey gate. Uh, <laughs> it was the Texas special teams coach. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Jeff Banks. Mm. So he... Uh, had a girlfriend of sorts, I guess you could call it. Well, I, let's just call it what it is. The gal that, that took him away from his wife and his kids. Yes, yes. Uh, that now, would be her. You, you can use whatever term is popping into your mind. But she's uh, she's been on the Jerry Springer show before. Uh, yeah, uh, she goes by the name of Pole Assassin. Yeah. Which is catchy. It's catchy as all hell. I can see why you'd leave your wife and kids for that. And uh, she has a an emotional support pet monkey, which is also a part of her act at times, um, which she keeps in a cage in her backyard. And on Halloween, while she was uh, doing a haunted maze at her house, uh, the monkey ended up biting a kid and a police report was filed. 
uh, which looks it, it's a bad look. It's a bad look, especially uh, whenever it's a Texas special teams coach's girlfriend uh, that is possibly going to be charged for this. But she, re- See, the, dude, she she showed a video. She had signs up. She had the monkey locked up. And some kid pretty much broke through three don't trespass signs and stuck his hand in the cage. And, and ended up getting getting bit. And she, she deactivated her Twitter account after she made this video because it really blew up. Um, but it's there, there's two sides to this. Are you, are you on Team Monkey or are you on the, 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 the side of the kid here? Oh, dude, I'm on Team monkey. monkey. Oh, for sure. I'm on totally Team Monkey. But I think one of the funniest things is uh, there was a tweet. Uh, that went out uh, this summer from one of the Texas players. His name is escaping me. And uh, Coach Banks responded to that tweet. The, the tweet said, uh, should I get a pet monkey? So a couple months ago, and Coach Banks responded to that, uh, you don't want a monkey. <laughs> so it's not a chimp. It's like the, the, the monkey from Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. right? The first one, the, the, the Lost Ark, the one that ate the poison date. Yeah, the little but, capuchin. But yeah, I mean, there's been footage of her doing some amazing pole work. They call her pole assassin for she a reason. She is like she's a, an incredible stripper, allegedly. <laughs> Not named Cinnamon. Cinnamon center stage. Thanks Cinnamon. for thanks for throwing allegedly in there. It's just what you're hearing through the grapevine. Well, if you have <laughs> performed on Jerry Springer and you're upside down, twisting around with the monkey high five in you, call it what it is. Talk to you tomorrow at four.